Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. I hope everybody had a great week out there. It's so nice to be back with you again. We had a a guest schedule for this week, but uh, due to the hurricane, he was uh, his electricity was knocked out. And he has not gotten it back yet, so we are just gonna wing it with a show. But I got a special edition, a uh, little extra add-on. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, the big news this week, of course, is Ioannis Cespedes opting out, claiming for COVID-19 reasons. Uh, different stories going about. Uh, his mother was here and, and supposedly, uh, and uh, she's elderly, so he got afraid with the COVID-19. Uh, of course, the next day he was seen at the uh, Roosevelt Field Mall, I think it was, and didn't seem too concerned about COVID-19 then. All, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, and then there was a story that he called the Mets, he let them know, and, and uh, but the Mets claimed not. Uh, I don't know if I were going to know the truth behind this. He was concerned about playing time, which could be another thing, and he used the COVID-19 as an excuse. Uh, but who knows? Uh, people upset and... Um, one of them that's upset is our good friend Sean, a voicemail from all the way from England. So let's play that now, and then we'll talk some more. Hey, Gary, it's uh, Sean in Bristol, UK. How are you, my friend? Uh, it's been a while. I hope, I hope all is okay. Um, I just wanted to say, um, well, add about the Unisispidus uh, um, fiasco. What can you say? Right. I understand, you know, it's your safety, you know, and, you know, the the worry about COVID and stuff like that. But really that you don't pick up the phone while people are trying to reach out to you? Uh, right. I get it. 2015, absolutely fantastic. You know, his his batting and everything um, pretty much powered the Mets to um, a World Series. But since then, uh, what can I say? I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of him. I, He's got the skill. And we seem to have lost Sean. So, uh, just... Uh... Hey, Gary. It's uh, Sean in Bristol, UK. How are you, my friend? Uh, it's been a while. I hope, I hope all is okay. Um, I just wanted to say, um, well, add about the Unisispidus uh, um, fiasco. What can you say? Right. I understand, you know, it's your safety, you know, and, you know, the, the worry about COVID and stuff like that. But really that you don't pick up the phone while people are trying to reach out to you? Uh, right. I get it. 2015, absolutely fantastic. You know, his his batting and everything um, 
pretty much powered the Mets to um, a World Series. But since then, uh, what can I say? I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of him. I, He's got the skills, or he did have, but not so much now. And I think he should just uh, gently retire into the uh, into the ether of baseball um, retirement and and sit on the uh, huge wad of money that he's uh, made over the uh, over the few, uh, last few years. Uh, as for the Mets this year, uh, I'm sorry, Gary. I've dare I say this? I've given up. No, that, that's too harsh. Well, I've got a huge portion of humble pie in the freezer. It's ready to come out because as soon as I rant about this team, they start going on a winning streak. But I'm already looking to 20 uh, next year's season. Am I being too harsh? I don't know. But I really do feel sorry for uh, Jacob deGrom. Uh, there's, he's, just, he's the only decent uh, thing that's going on in the team. All right, Gary, some of my rant is... Uh, over uh, love your show and um, take care my friend and speak to you too speak to you soon take care now bye bye and thank you Sean good as always to hear from you and I don't think you're being too harsh uh, or I think you're being too harsh on yourself Uh, I think a lot of people are taking the year off and uh, uh, are not you know it's a weird year. Let's let's be honest about it. This this whole pandemic thing, the sixty game schedule, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like a baseball season at all. Uh, so I I and the, and the start that the Mets have gotten off to, I it all adds up. I I, I don't think uh, people are into it. They found other things to do. Um, but uh, it is what it is, and, and we have to uh, go along with that. But um, I, I think there's a lot of people that are, are that are kind of giving up, and 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 really, in a way, are using this to see uh, who you know some of the younger players and what they can do at this point in time, uh, because it's just uh, it, it's just so crazy. And uh, what can go on this year, we don't really know. So uh, you're too hard on yourself. So far as Cespedes, I don't think he will retire. I think he'll try to catch on with a team next year, depending upon what the deal is uh, with the COVID-19. At that point in time, let's hope it's all over and done with. Uh, But, uh, you know, I don't think the Mets should consider him at all uh going back uh yes he was good in 2015 and and he was rewarded for that with this contract and and the contract's up and i think it's time to move on from uh Jonas Cespedes so uh uh but thanks again Sean it was great to hear from you as always well we solved the spot of the mystery with Jed Lowry who's also uh, Mets career is probably over and done with. He was diagnosed with PCL laxity, which, according to uh, GM Brody Van Wagenen's understanding, is a looseness of the PCL ligament in Lowry's left knee that is ultimately causing him pain. When he wears his larger brace, the pain is mitigated, and when he takes that brace off and plays in the smaller brace, the pain increases. He has been uh, moved to the 45-day injury list, and that would essentially mean that his uh, Mets career is over and done with. Uh, let's see. Other news. Uh, 
bunch of moves. I, you know, it's hard to keep up with the moves everybody's making because of injuries and whatnot. But Tyler Bashler was traded to the Pirates. Jordan Humphrey traded to uh, the Giants for Billy Hamilton. Jarrett Hughes was activated all in this past week. You probably know that. Franklin Colomi was activated, sent down. I don't know where he is now. Uh, but uh, everything is crazy with this, uh, with this short season. And the Mets have also acquired right-handed Ariel Jurado from the Rangers in exchange for Pelé to be name-waver and uh, cash considerations. Outfielder Ryan Cordell was designated for assignment to open a spot in the, in the team's 40-man roster. Jurado has been assigned to the Mets' alternate training site in Brooklyn. That, that could be a look towards next year and adding pitchers, another starting pitcher. Uh who knows what they've got up their sleeve. All right, what do I have up my sleeve? Well, uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we will come back right after this. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com. Wouldn't it be great if you could get a Ph.D. in life through baseball? Welcome to Baseball Ph.D., a tour company for your brain. 30 major league teams, 100 places to see. Let's touch them all as we make the road trip of a lifetime. Check out my Twitter page at Mets Musings one and check out a Facebook group. It's at facebook.com slash Mets Musings. Go check it out and don't forget to call the hotline. It's 516-619-6341. Okay, and I'm back. And uh, my surprise for you is that I've got a, an excerpt of an interview that I did with John Shea, who wrote the book 24 it is the uh, life stories and lessons from the Say Hey Kid. It's about Willie Mays. And this this section happens to deal with uh, Willie Mays returning to New York as a New York Met. Willie told me there were two regrets he had in life. When one was not going to college. He never really had that op- opportunity from the time he grew up and where he grew up, um, you know, to play baseball in college or uh, even football in college as a quarterback, because that's what he was. So, mm-hmm. so he signed with the Giants. Um, uh, luckily, <laughs> he played baseball. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so um, years later, you know, he, he looks back at that as, as the, obviously the right thing to do. Um, but anyway, it, he, the other regret was being traded. And that was an immediate regret that lasted for a little bit. It didn't last forever because uh, while he wanted to retire a giant, he felt like he was going back home. And he was he had the close kinship with Joan Payson, who was a minority owner of the old New York Giants. And then when they moved, she just sold, sold all her shares, didn't want any part of that, and always wanted to do two things, bring a National League team back to New York 
and have Mays on her team again. <laughs> well, she became the majority owner of the Mets and spoke with Horace Stoneham for quite a bit about bringing Mays back to, uh, to New York. And it finally happened. I mean, obviously late in Willie's career, 1970, Willie was 40 and he was still a great ball player. Mm-hmm. He led the league in walks. He led the league in on-base percentage. He had 23 homers or 18 homers. He had 23 steals, 26 attempts. So he could do it all. And he was still a great center fielder. But the following May, Stoneham trades him to the Mets because he said he couldn't afford his $165,000 salary. <laughs> <laughs> so he got Charlie Williams, who didn't really pan out. But right. uh, uh, So Mays goes to New York, and I spoke with a lot of Mets, uh, Tom Seaver a long time ago, Crane Pool, Kuzman, and they just spoke glowingly about Mays when he walked in the clubhouse and uh, the presence and the fact that we got this great ball player and, you know, this just, you know, they won in 69, but they weren't all that good uh, in the following years. In fact, in 73, in August, they were in last place mm-hmm. in their division and uh, they just went crazy in September and won the division, beat the Reds and then played the A's in the World Series. But but if you look back, uh, Mays was a part-time player with the Mets mm-hmm. in 70. Uh, two and 73. I mean, he actually led the Mets in OPS, which is on base percentage plus uh, uh, slugging percentage. So um, it wasn't a bad year as a bench player. Right. Uh, he played first base. Played a lot and, of first base, yeah. He played a lot of first base. Then the next year, Willie was fine calling it quits then. He said, but Joan Payson wanted him to play another year. And that was the worst year because of the injuries. He was never on the disabled list until his final year at age 42. Imagine that. I mean, Willie Mays was as durable as it gets. We talk about Cal Ripken, but Willie Mays has a record. 150 games for 13 straight season, 150 plus. Even Cal can do that. 150 plus games for 13 straight seasons. And most of that streak during the 154 game season. So he didn't take time off. He played both ends of the doubleheader. He played day games after night games. Um, he just you know, wanted to play. Through. He played nine, ten innings in every All-Star game. Uh, um, spring training, the managers always wanted him to play just so the fans could see him. He wore out quite a bit, but that was his thing. His dad always told him, you know, work hard. And what he meant by that was play the game. Don't ask to come out. Don't have the manager pull you. So anyway, 1973 happens, and, you know, Willie's got ribs, he's got shoulder, and he's got knee, and all needed a lot of work in the trainer's room. And he didn't even play after September 9th when he broke two ribs going for a ball uh, as a first baseman, crashing into the, you know, side and foul territory Mm -hmm. and messing up his ribs. So he didn't play again until the playoffs. And he figured, okay, I'm just going to – they had Willie Mays Day at Chase Stadium. He yeah, retired, ear jerker. Uh, everybody was there. Um, so, anyway, you fast forward to the World Series, and he's starting center fielder. Game one is the number three hitter in Oakland. Oh, my God. And he gets a hit. Uh, he's one for four. The Mets lose. But everybody remembers, and you brought it up at the beginning, game two. And that's the one that the Mets won in extra innings. And that's the one that Willie fell down. And that's the one that Willie's at his knees at home plate arguing with Augie Donatelli. And those were the images I knew. That's the only images I knew. I mean, I was a, 
I, you know, I was old enough to remember 73 and I, I know about that series. I used to go to A's games as well, but I figured, well, everyone always says, don't be Willie Mays. Don't retire too late. Retire when you're on yeah. top, all this stuff. Okay. So I said, well, I want to research this. So I talked to everybody I could on the Mets, everybody I could on the A's who were there that day, got all these observations from Willie himself. And there's, there's a lot of backstories to the images that we see. In other words, uh, uh, when Willie's on his knees, people say, oh, he must have struck out. He must have dropped the ball. No, he was arguing as the on-deck hitter with Augie Donatelli yeah. because he blew a ball uh, at home plate that cost, yeah, I, I that think- cost the Mets. Yeah, Harrelson. I think Buddy Harrelson was trying. Was scored and and it looked like he beat the tag. And Willie was the on. I believe he was the on deck hitter. Yeah. He was the on deck hitter, and that's why he was closest to the plate. And, then, and he he wasn't complaining to the umpire because of something he did. He was supporting he, Bud Harrelson right. because Harrelson was safe. Fossey missed the tag, right. though. Fossey told me he got he he he, he tagged <laughs> him out in the book, so you get both sides, obviously. And so that kind of explains that picture. And there's. You know, there's the, uh, you know, playing center field. He botched a play or two. Well, mm-hmm. you know, he is 42. If he did that when he was 22, people would have forgotten it and moved on. But now he's older, so people remember it. But, again, he hardly played after September. But Rusty Staub had a bum shoulder in game one, so he's playing center field and hitting third. Game two, he doesn't start but goes in for Rusty as a pinch uh, runner, stays in the game. And actually goes out to right field because that was Rusty's position. Mm-hmm. Yogi didn't tell him where to play. And then he and Don Hahn are both out there in right field together. And they both look in the dugout. So what, 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 who's playing center? And they, they signal Willie, you go, you go play center. I said, okay. So sure enough, Darren Johnson of the A's hits this uh, you know, soft line drive uh, over the infield. And Willie comes in, tries to make a shoestring catch and falls over. The ball goes back to the wall. And uh, later in the game, you know, Reggie hits a ball all over him and he loses it in the sun. So I, I wanted to do the research. And I said, okay, what really happened? What caused these things? And it wasn't, you know, Willie Mays was old as much as, uh, well, I mean, I don't want to make excuses for Mays, but. No, because I, I, I know where you're going with this. I, I've I've talked to Cranepool a number of times. I've talked to a couple of the other guys. And go, go ahead. <laughs> well, Reg, Reggie played center field for the A's that day. Uh, we know him as a right fielder, but mm-hmm. he played center field in game two of the 73 World Series, and he told me that was the most brutal son he's ever seen. Right. And Oakland was always a bad son. And Willie had never played in Oakland, even though he played all those years at Candlestick mm-hmm. just because there was no interleague play and they right. didn't have any – preseason Bay Bridge series or anything like that. The A's didn't come until 69. So anyway, you know, there's there's the sun, there's the fact that he hadn't played, there's the fact he was injured, there's the fact that there was a miscommunication. He didn't even know he was going to play center field because Yogi didn't tell him, um, you know, and on and on and on. And But everybody who was there just says, hey, man, don't knock Willie. Uh, you know, it's just kind of tough circumstances. And you know, retire uh, early. I mean, I talked to Ricky Henderson, who's playing independent ball in his mid forties. All all these fellows who play deep into their, you know, forties. And, and they all told me, said, man, don't, don't give up the game. It doesn't matter if you're Willie Mays in his prime. If you're Willie Mays at 75% of the old Willie Mays, you're still pretty darn good and a valuable asset. And that's what Cranepool and Kuzman 
uh, and Siever told me mm-hmm. that uh, you, you don't want to disregard Mays. But anyway, that's kind of what some people remember that World Series, even though it might have been unfair. And Willie doesn't make excuses, but, um, you know, there are reasons for the images that we see. And there's a backstory to, to everything. And I think that's what we try to present in that mm-hmm. chapter. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little excerpt of uh, the interview that I did with John Shea. I'll have a, a link to the full interview when I figure out where it's going to go. <laughs> so stick with me if you want to hear the full interview. We talk about the uh, whole career of Willie Mays. It's really uh, really a terrific book and, and, a, and a terrific interview, so I hope you'll go check it out. Uh, three groups are still in the running to buy the New York Mets with a timeline that calls the City Field Tours this week and initial bids requested by the end of the month. The three groups are no secret. Steve Cohen who earlier withdrew an initial bid for the team and a group led by A-Rod and Jennifer Lopez and Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, which also owns the NHL's New Jersey Devils and the NBA Philadelphia 76 separately. David Blitzer is a part owner of the International League Scranton Wilkes-Barre Railriders ownership. Each brings a different strength to the Mets' ownership and each also has the uh, a weakness, as the New York Post did an analysis on this, by Josh Cosman. And uh, he argues that the lack of winning from the Harris, Blitzer, Sports, and Entertainment-owned teams may be an issue moving forward as the organization's teams have never won NHL or NBA championships. True, but both teams are contenders on an annual basis, but the bigger era is assuming MLB owners really care about Harris Blitzer building contenders or whether they can run a solid drama-free front office in a fiscally responsible manner. There are plenty of problems with the other two bids. Cohen has had issues with the SEC, and his asset management firm has been sued by two separate women on charges of discrimination. Uh, and, of course, A-Rod and J-Lo, really, uh, the, the question with them is going to be money. Do they have enough capital raised and enough capital in their group to not only buy the team but to then support a team and uh, help it go further forward? So we see, according to this article, that uh, the Harrier, Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment bid would be a very safe choice for the Wilpons in a Met sale. I kind of disagree. I think Steve Cohen would be a kind of a safer choice, but with his problems with the SEC and everything, will that hurt? Keep in mind, he was approved already as a minority owner, so I don't see why uh, it will not happen uh, that he couldn't be the majority owner. Um, I don't think he'll be in any more problems. You know, uh, and a lot of time businessmen get in trouble like that, and it's not really anything that, that's their fault. Sometimes the, the courts like to flex their muscles, and uh, well, don't know where that went to. Uh, and and uh, you know, take these guys into court. So, uh, but. We'll see how that all shakes out, and it's getting closer with the end of the of the. Um, I'm I'm jumping ahead of myself. The end of the Wilpon era seems to be upon us, and uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, 
we'll see what happens as we go along. It's going to be interesting. Uh, more interesting than this baseball season is. That's uh, that's for sure. And I had another story, and I can't find where it was. There we go. Uh, so it is what it is. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's show. hope you enjoyed the interview with John Shea, the excerpt of an interview. And I want to thank my guest, John Shea, for coming on uh, this week. Uh, it was really a great interview and a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun doing it. So I hope you'll uh, I'll get to you in the future and let you know where it's uh, where the full interview will be heard. Uh, and I want to thank you all for listening. So don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Play, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you listen to the podcast, or subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, folks. It helps me to grow the show and expand to new listeners. And until next time, remember, keep the faith. Stay optimistic. See, I stayed optimistic, and the sign is holding up. A little bent, but it's holding. And let's go Mets, and I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.